welcome to UWO Now. I'm your host, Wendell Ray. UWO Now is the platform where we discuss relevant and interesting topics with the students, staff, and faculty at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Today, we're going to talk with a couple of folks. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been exploring uh, with several episodes on this show how universities across the United States are addressing the needs of students. We've talked with the Dean of Students here. We've talked to the Associate Vice Chancellor for Student Life. And today, our guests are UWO student Shichao Chong and Maddie Wiles is also the Interim Director of the LGBTQ Plus Resource Center. They're here to talk to us today. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here today on UWO Now. Thank you for having us. So, Maddie, let's start with you. Tell us about what the LGBTQ Plus Resource Center is here on the campus at UWO. Yeah, so it's a physical space on campus. Uh, we offer a lot of services and programs for all of our students. Um, I think some of the unique things that we do is we do have our United training. And so that is kind of our LGBTQ plus foundations. It really teaches best practices of how to be an ally and how to be an advocate for the community. Uh, we also have some larger scale programs like our Pride Gala, which happens in the fall. Uh, it's our big a fundraiser for our Pride Scholarship um, for our students. Um, so students who uh, promote and support LGBTQ plus activism, uh, we try to, are, are able to provide them um, scholarships. And then we also do um, host many, many events and affinity groups uh, throughout the year. So for those listening who may not understand why we have a resource center, why is it necessary to have an LGBTQ plus resource center? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it's about visibility. I think having visibility on our campus and having a space where students can feel that they can belong and bring their full authentic self with all of their many, many identities and experiences um, and bringing them to UWO in a space where they're going to feel comfortable and they're going to feel seen. Um, I also think that a lot of students come from smaller towns or they don't come from affirming um, households or mm -hmm. families, families that don't accept them. And so I think it's a great opportunity for them to be able to find people that are that are like them, that shared uh, similar experiences and able to create that kind of like chosen family mentality. Okay. And is this new, this type of resource center, uh, is it new here? And what about across the country at other campuses? Is this something that you are finding other universities and, 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 and colleges across the United States are implementing as well, and how old is the one here? Yeah, so I think the University of Michigan was one of the first ones um, back in the 80s or 70s to um, have an LGBTQ plus resource center on their campus. Um, so they're not they're not new um, to university and campus life. Um, I think ours really started off um, through our LGBTQ plus education advocacy council. And so that made up of different campus partners all across from academic affairs, university affairs and student affairs um, to really talk about what are the needs and support for our students. And so really our LGBTQ plus resource center started um, literally in a closet. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of irony to that, but it started in a closet. <laughs> And it really has grown and shaped. And so the previous director, uh, Dr. Liz Cannon, um, really created the LGBTQ plus resource center from nothing and also created the women's center from nothing as well. Um, and so it's kind of my responsibility and duty to carry on that legacy and make sure that our students feel supported in that space. Shichua Zhang, you are uh, a 
senior now here at UWO and majoring in human services leadership. Yes. So tell us what uh, your relationship is with the discussion we're having here today. Yeah, so for the HSL program, we are set to be interns in the spring of our fourth year. And so I am a intern at the Women's Center, and I also dabble in interning for the LGBTQ plus resource center as well. Okay, and how have you felt maybe that interning there, or has it, what have you been exposed to, and what have you grown, you think, since uh, being a part, or being uh, a part of the staff over there? Yeah, I have grown in so many ways. Um, they've given us a lot of freedom on projects that we want to do, and so something that I kind of uh, do mostly is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which is in April, so it's coming up. Um, and then I also facilitate some community bonding, community building activities like crafts, coffee, and community, where we choose a craft, we come together, we drink coffee, um, we have conversations with each other, we build that connection like Maddie was talking about. Um, and for the LGBT, LGBT Plus Center, we do BIPAN Poly Roundtables, where we bring people of different identities um, together to talk about our issues, to talk about our joys, and kind of just cultivate joy together. Okay. Um, at the Resource Center, you mentioned a few things, Maddie, that you have there, programs and training. Let's talk first about the training. Uh, what is involved in that training? Who's it for? And who can be trained? Yeah, so it kind of started as the safe zone training uh, prior to myself, and it was a really long three-hour training, really based on terminology and language. Um, and when I came into this role, I came into this role um, in June of 2022, I really assessed what are the needs that staff, faculty, and students who want to be allies, who want to be advocates for the LGBTQ plus community, what, what are they missing? And I think for me, it was really, how do we have conversation? And we were missing that interpersonal communication piece because language and identities, they are very important. But if we don't have the necessary skills to be able to have a conversation when somebody comes out to us, then what are we doing? Um, we can know all about these identities and all about the ways these identities interact or how, they, how students experience them. But if we're not creating a supportive space for them to be able to share them, then we're not doing justice to our students. And so that's why I created the United Training. I wanted to make sure that we were uniting campus together in the face of adversity. And really also talking about what it means to be somebody who's LGBTQ+, um, but also those who come from different um, backgrounds and identities. So we were talking mm -hmm. about um, LGBTQ plus people of color. We're talking about LGBTQ plus people um, with varying dis uh, abilities and disabilities. We're talking about LGBTQ plus people coming from different cultural mm -hmm. backgrounds um, and really trying to connect a lot of those, you know, what we call intersectionality, those different intersections of identities. We're really trying to create this holistic experience so that way we're talking about the full student and not just bits and pieces of the student and who they are. Being seen. I think, did you say that when we first started that it's important for you all to be, for this, yes. for the center to help people to be seen? Yes. I think that's extremely important to, for people to hear and to understand why it's important that we have such a resource center because, and, and, and from that, let me ask this question. Since you have had this resource center, have you been attracting students? 
Yeah, we have. Um, even in this year, we've really changed our space. So we changed our physical space to make it more current to what our students want now. So we made it more comfortable. We got new furniture. We have a giant bean bag. Um, and the students really love being able to just be in there and just kind of belong mm -hmm. and not feel like it's not just an educational space. It's a space where it's kind of a home away from home, it's very much like a living room aspect. And that's something that we really wanted to try to create um, as we're talking about chosen family and we're talking about the necessity of these support and services. Okay, you're listening to UWO Now. I'm Wendell Ray, and we're talking today with UWO student Shichua Chong and Maddie Wiles, who is the interim director of the LGBTQ Plus Resource Center here at UWO. Um, training, what kind of training? What what is are we talking about someone coming in and sitting in front of a, a lecturer or what types of training are we providing and does it vary depending on the audience yeah so it's me um so i'm the one who hosts these trainings um so i have a myriad of backgrounds and experiences doing a lot of training and workshop related around diversity equity and inclusion but specifically the piece that often is not talked about is that belonging piece and so I try to create a specific uh, kind of sessions for faculty and staff to do together and then for students to do to do together because I think that activism and that allyship looks different across that. Um, because for faculty and staff, they have a lot more power. They have, there's different dynamics than talking with students and talking about what it means to be a fellow peer and really trying to create that inclusive environment. For faculty and staff, we talk a lot about what does it mean to try to be an advocate and an ally, not only in their work life, but also in their personal life too, right? So if their child is going to come out to them um, as part of the LGBTQ plus community, what are some ways that we can make sure that they don't lose that relationship or that they are able to show their student or show their child that they are supportive um, of them, even though they themselves may not know a lot about their identities. Um, and so really trying to approach it in that way of trying to give them tangible skills and tools. Um, and ultimately it's about an engagement engaging conversation. So we have a lot of discussions and conversations. Uh, people come in with a lot of, a lot of questions. Um, and so I'm there as kind of a resource and to provide my expertise um, of how we can go about this situation or what is the best practice to do this. Shichua, I mentioned you mentioned that you've grown. How do you think you grew? What did you learn as a part as a as a now a member of uh, as an intern of the Resource Center? What did what things did you pick up? Honestly, the first thing that I picked up was the amount of love that is in that is shared in these centers. Um, they really do strive that everybody can be their most authentic self in the centers. Um, they feed us, they make us laugh, they um, share their life stories with us as well, which I, which has really helped me become vulnerable with other people as well. Okay. Um, it just feels like a family. And on, honestly, I come from a cultural background that isn't very open about being a part of these communities and uplifting um, certain parts of the community. And so this has been so affirming for me, and I know that that has been so affirming for other people. Um, and honestly, I kind of uh, get extra experience too, because I first learned how to be an ally and an advocate as a student, 
But now as I go into my last year and I graduate soon, I'm now learning how to transition and be an advocate and an ally in a faculty staff kind of position as well. So it's taught me a lot personally, professionally. Allyship, intersectionality, a couple of terms I do want to kind of delve into because I don't want to make uh, the assumption that everybody out there listening or watching knows exactly what we're talking about. Something else I want to kind of talk about, though, is a term that's come up a few times now, and that is belonging. Tell us, either one of you, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? What are you saying about students who come to the Resource Center or who are on campus or just in life in general? Belonging, how important that is uh, for them, and what does it exactly mean? I think for (laughs) me... Um, belonging is seeing people that reflect my identities. So I... Okay, and does, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah. So that is different than me accepting it uh, and supporting it. That's more allyship or advocacy. Yeah. Okay, but belonging yeah. is just having a comfortability. Yeah, I th- and also being comfortable with like myself in these spaces. Um, because I'm, you know, I'm an active person in the LGBTQ plus community. I, I continuously share in our trainings too that like I identify as a transgender woman, right? So I socially was like born a male um, and I went through 18 years of my life uh, performing as a son, performing as a brother, performing as um, a boy. Um, but deep down inside of me, I always knew that I was a girl, right? There was always that, that woman inside of me that was kind of screaming to like, um, be out and to be proud and to be themselves. And so when I did come out, it was really about finding that belonging and finding people that looked and had experiences like me. And so I went into my undergraduate school, which I did in, um, upper peninsula of Michigan. Um, that's where I'm originally from. And I wanted to do the work of what it means to be an activist to create belonging. So to create spaces where people felt comfortable and they could talk about their experiences, um, shared experiences and other lived experiences um, that were meaningful to them. You're listening to UWO Now. I'm your host, Wendell Ray. We're talking today with uh, Maddie Wiles, who's the interim director of the LGBTQ plus resource center at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh and Shichua Jong, who is a senior at UWO and is a senior human uh, human services leadership uh, major. And we're talking today about uh, the LGBTQ plus resource center students on campus and uh, and why this resource center is, is needed, the role that it performs and the space that it provides to students. How important do you think, Maddie, it is for a prospective student, let alone a student who's already on campus, to know that there's a resource center here? I think it's crucial. In fact, this question is so prevalent because just in my week that I had, I had two prospective students and their families come wanting to see the space. Um, And one of the parents told me that it was so meaningful because it knows 
they know that their child then has these resources and has somebody that is going to support them uh, through their journey and being able to advocate for them. So making sure that they're having the necessary conversations so that way the student feels um, safe, so they feel comfortable, um, and so that way they can focus more on their academics and succeeding um, as, as a student at this university. Shichua, tell us about what you're doing actively, the things that you handle at the Resource Center. Yeah, so some of my biggest projects would be handling Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And so I lead a session called Ask an Advocate, where we invite sexual assault services providers in the region to come to talk about their advocacy journeys, um, what they do as survivor victim advocates, and what advice they would give to people who also want to learn more about their advocacy. And something else that I also do is I love art. I love creating arts and crafts. So Crafts Coffee and Community takes a fun little craft for people to do and come together and, and foster community. And I love it because all the people that do show up to Crafts Coffee and Community continue to come to the centers and continue to build that community over and over again. And it gets bigger and bigger and it's, it's really beautiful. And I, I really love Crafts Coffee and Community because when we talk about allyship and advocacy, um, it's a very daunting and, and hard role to have to be an advocate, to be an ally, but it doesn't always have to be. It could be fun, it can be beautiful, it can be loving, and that's something that we do at the centers. Let's define those for those out there wondering. I think it, it might be obvious to many or maybe even to most, but I don't wanna uh, talk past someone who's listening and maybe needs to know this information. Define for us allyship. Define for us advocacy. What does it mean and why is it important? Yeah, I think for allyship, it's really about being in that space with that person and listening to their experiences. And I think oftentimes there's a misconception that allyship is like this identity that we carry. But I really like to think of allyship as more of an action or more of a verb. It's something that we do and it's something that we are continuing to try to strive to make other communities and their voices amplified. Um, so I And when you're not a part of that community. Right, right, exactly. And sometimes even when you are part of that community, there needs to be that necessary allyship. But when but when you are not part of a community there is still that level of appreciation and understanding that you can still have for a community that you're not a part of, right? Um, it, the whole approach to this is making sure that people have an understanding that just because you aren't part of the community, you can still care about the lives that are being affected out there. Um, and being able to really listen to learn rather than listen to just react or listen to then just respond. It's really about listening and taking in and making sure that we're uh, leaving space and leaving room at the metaphorical table um, where people then can be able to, to voice their concerns and voice their experiences. Okay, so I support, I'm in favor, I don't have a problem with all those phrases that you might hear mm -hmm. or others might say. What are you, so the difference then between allyship and advocacy is action. Yes. So how can people be active? Yeah, I think it's um, about taking these opportunities of trainings and other professional development opportunities. Training? I don't need a training. Why do I need a training? 
Right, because everybody needs more education, right? Um, especially on a university level, we are all wanting to be active and continued learners. And so it's really about learning the new updated information, learning about new identities, learning about how people are expressing um, themselves mm -hmm. um, and really trying to create that community um, piece, um, really trying to get people together under one space, even if it's virtual, um, and really having them talk about their experiences and talk about some of the things that they're concerned with, um, especially I hear a lot from parents of their concerns about what's going on in the world um, with all of these anti-trans and anti-drag and anti-LGBTQ plus bills and legislature that's happening um, in the United States and the concerns that they have for safety and support, right? And so working through that together as a community to me is about creating that action and also making sure that people have an understanding to stand up um, in spaces where there are anti-LGBTQ uh, rhetoric and discussions happening, making sure that we're standing up and allowing the, the people that have the voices um, to be able to speak them. Okay. Um, so you mentioned it's important on a university campus, but what, you know, people who are watching this may not necessarily be uh, on a university campus. Yeah. Somebody who's listening may not be employed or have anything to do with the university uh, campus may not know anybody close to them who is in the LGBTQ plus community. So why should they care? Yeah, I mean, most likely they probably do have somebody in their lives that's part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, it's sometimes not a visible identity, right? So mm -hmm. possibly that that person is not out um, or that they um, do not express themselves in a way that is going to be like, oh, that person probably identifies within the community. And I think it's so important is because as I, so I'm a big person on, I, I love watching TikToks. Um, sometimes I, you know, go into the spiral of watching them for hours. <laughs> um, and one of the most important pieces of when I think about allyship and activism is stopping for that minute or three minutes that you have with that person talking about their experiences and talking about their identities, right? Even something so little can have a huge impact because they're educating you on their experiences and they're educating you on what it means to be that identity. Um, and therefore it kind of creates more learning and more opportunities um, to get out there and meet new folks um, and also being able to be in space with people that don't look like us or don't have the same um, types of experiences. And how did you come to this position? What, if and you don't have to get too deep, but what's your experience? been in these areas that we're talking about? Yeah, so ever since I was an undergrad, I was working at a multicultural um, education center and it was really my responsibility to create programming that created support for our students. Um, and then I went into Southern Illinois and I got my master's degree. Um, and that was a really great experience. I was teaching public speaking at that time and I was really helping those with um, all kinds of identities talking about their experiences and talking about how to advocate with their voices. And then I came here at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh in September of 2021 as the program advisor for inclusion programs for ReUnion. Um, so it was my responsibility to do a lot of DEI related training, um, to do programming that really amplified uh, voices. Um, and then um, I was then asked to be the interim director for our LGBTQ plus resource center. And unfortunately, when our director for our women's center um, left in uh, 
late December um, of 2022, I also took on some of those responsibilities as well. And have you been supported in your journey? Yeah, I, in you know, in my journey as as a trans woman and, and being queer, uh, my parents had a a little bit of a rough time. Um, I think my mom specifically had a hard time of thinking that uh, she was losing a child, um, and especially that she didn't have any representation of what positive trans people looked like um, when we think about film and we think about movies. Mm, stereotypical. Yeah, and she immediately tried to relate it to like Buffalo Bill of Silence of the Lambs. Oh. And I was like, no, 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 mom, like let's take a step back. And so to me that was like, wow, representation in movies and TV shows is really some people's first experiences if they don't have those um, shared and lived experiences themselves. Um, and but we're at a great, wonderful place now, um, and they have such a better and greater understanding, and they are constantly advocating in their own jobs and their own spaces. So I'm really proud um, as their daughter um, of really watching them grow in their own allyship. Okay, so then for a parent out there um, who doesn't know what to do. You mentioned training at the Resource Center. Would that be available to them? And if not, where could they find training to help them through this adjustment period? And I say this, and I'm going to say this because it is an adjustment for that person who's coming out. And it's also an adjustment for the person they're coming out to. Right. How do, and everybody's trying to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. Where can they go, those parents or loved ones, go for understanding and how to make this adjustment as well? Yeah, I love that you said that because when somebody transitions or somebody comes out, everybody in that family transitions. Everybody in that family comes out, right? And it's an adjustment period. And so I would say, you know, doing simple Google searches and finding um, sites and organizations like the Human Rights Campaign um, really has a great, uh, a lot of opportunities. But also I think there's so much power in movies and TV shows and being able to try to get that representation from all different sides. Um, I know that there's a lot of great support groups online too um, that they're able to access. But also coming from like our perspective, if, if there's people in the Oshkosh area or the greater Wisconsin area, right, I am always open to having those conversations with folks um, from the community. And I think a lot of LGBTQ plus resource centers are. So always trying to like, um, email and and do outreach for kind of their localized LGBTQ mm -hmm. plus centers on campuses because more times than not they're going to find some type of level of support or at least that uh, director or equivalent will able to f connect them to resources that are in the community. In preparation for our discussion here today, I watched your training and I didn't think I needed to know anything. My son came out to me; he passed several couple of years ago. He came out to me maybe a dozen years ago, and I was like, okay, you know, and our relationship evolved, and I thought I knew everything I needed to know. But honestly, after watching the training video, I was like, oh, I don't know if we ever had that conversation, or oh, maybe we should have had that conversation. So it's, it's, it's good, good to know, a lot, lot of good information that, mm -hmm. that can be uh, um, conveyed through the, through the training that I saw on your website and I'm sure others resources as such as what you have there. Yeah, and I think the ultimate piece is when somebody comes out or somebody starts to transition, some things that parents or caregivers or friends can really do is just thanking them for telling them, 
right? Because oftentimes when somebody comes out, they hear all the negative, right? I remember, oh, maybe it's just a phase or, oh, does that mean I'm not going to have grandchildren, right? Yeah. And it is completely valid for somebody to think that. But when we, when that's the first thing that is vocalized to that person, it's kind of that break of trust a little bit. And because what they really want is they, they want that community. They, they, they want that trust and they want that support. Um, and, and how we convey that and how we communicate that um, sometimes is, is between life and death for those, for those students. Literally. For those literally. People. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've, we've also mentioned a term, intersectionality, and I know what it means and you all know what it means, but someone out there who's listening or watching may not know what it means. Let's define that, intersectionality. I think of intersectionality as the crossroads in our identity. So, for example, my intersectionalities would be uh, being Hmong, um, being American, being a woman, and then also being a part of the LGBT plus community. So those are my intersections. So everyone can have different ones. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's. I'll leave it at that. Just to how all the different things that make up whoever you are. Mm -hmm. That's the intersectionality that you represent. Okay. Now, um, uh, we talked about the training at the Resource Center. We talked about the need for the Resource Center. We talked about you mentioning, uh, Maddie, that you had uh, spent some time with some prospective students, and they were reassured and felt good about the fact that there was a Resource Center. Tell us a little bit about the Pride Index and what that is and what it means and, and how individuals can use that. Yeah, so the Pride Index is something that is kind of nationally um, used. And what we do is um, campus partners kind of come together um, and we kind of come up with these of what are we doing for our LGBTQ plus students in these areas? Um, what are we doing for LGBTQ plus students in terms of support and policies in athletics, in faculty um, spaces, in uh, certain colleges um, and departments? What are we doing in these areas? And then, um, then furthermore, we kind of talk about how can we improve upon those and how as we as a community, as a campus community, can come together and really fight some of these adversities that we see for the LGBTQ plus community. Because right now in, in this uh, kind of culture and this climate, it's really scary. It's really scary to be part of the LGBTQ plus community and especially to be on a college campus or any type of kind of learning environment, K through 12 system as well. Um, because of all the hate and all the rhetoric that is, that is happening, that is really, um, kind of suppressing the LGBTQ plus voice and joy. Okay, so there goes allyship and advocacy, ways people can um, participate, you, because there is a lot of legislation, a lot of discussion, mm -hmm. um, and not just in certain areas, but across the country. Uh, you're probably, in every state, probably they're having these types of discussions. So what can people out there do uh, if... Um, if they want to do something, what should they be doing and what can they do, do you think? Yeah, I think it's about being making yourself known that you are somebody that is going to support the community, that you are somebody that um, somebody who may be struggling can come talk to. Um, and making sure that like, I always think about the Thanksgiving dinner table, right? When conversations get a little heated um, mm -hmm. sometimes, um, is making sure to stand up um, for what we believe in and making sure that like, if the topic is anti-LGBTQ plus uh, policies and stuff, really making 
making sure that we are also educated. So that means more than just looking at headlines. That means reading the articles. That means looking at the stats, looking at the data, um, and then also connecting that with actual real lived experiences. So then going on YouTube, going on TikTok, reading a book or a podcast, and really listening to other people's experiences. So that way you're getting kind of that whole experience of somebody um, rather than just looking at numbers or looking at data because it's so easy to get lost in those percents and, the, and those large numbers because behind those numbers are people. Uh, behind those numbers are me, our Shichua. And so it's meaningful for us to make sure that we are telling people um, that if they want to continue to create activism and, and action is making sure to also be educated and, and learning from one another is really important. Okay, great conversation. Thanks so much, uh, Maddie and Chichua for coming by and talking to us today on UWO Now. It's good to see you, good to meet you, good to know about the good work that you're doing over at the LGBTQ Plus Resource Center. Thanks so much for coming by and talking to us today. Thank you. That's all the time we're going to have. Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching UWO Now. Remember to catch the latest episode of UWO Now. Go to our website, wrst.org, or podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, and you can also watch us on the UWO YouTube page. I'm Wendell Ray. Thanks so much for listening.